Keeping it real. On cliffcentral.com. It's time for a WeChat workout. WeChat. Go to the Cliff Central account. Tap connect. Then message to show. On radio. On radio. More of the good stuff. Cliffcentral.com. Well, it's a good afternoon from me, Dr. Cindy Fansale. Um, you can catch me on Twitter at DocCindy, D-O-C-S-I-N-D-I. And this afternoon, I have a great, great guest in the studio. Her name is Amanda Jane Wild, and she's the CEO of Umsinsi Health. And basically, she deals with, um, her company deals with medical devices, and um, they specifically focus on skin, um, um, things for skin. But we'll be discussing more of that, um, you know, well, once I start chatting to her, just to let you know that in this show, I'll be giving away a Samsung Galaxy um, S4 uh, or a Samsung Galaxy Note. So, yeah, stay tuned to hear about Umsinti um, Health and also to win a Samsung Galaxy S4 or a Samsung Galaxy Note. Amanda, thank you so much for being here. Oh, Cindy, thank you so much for the invitation. So tell me a bit about Umsinsi Health. When did it start and what do you guys do? Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, we got started around about November 2008, just as the global economy took a a nosedive over the edge of a cliff. Um, And who Umsinsi Healthcare are is effectively a group of, of really passionate people who are really committed to loving skin. Um, so what we did was we took a conventional US-based global multinational healthcare company and we turned it into a local enterprise for the employees. Um, and we've been running now for six years. So we are, yes, we're a medical device company. We deal with products for skin care um, and we can go into that. But I think on the side of it, the, the joy and the passion and the dedication of running your own business has been something we've really gotten into. And also as well, looking at how we can build a bit a better type of business from the inside out. It's not that we devalue our customers, but we really look at how our team members um, are functioning, not just individually, mm. but also in terms of relating to each other as well. Mm. And I know, I mean, I've visited your offices. I love mm. the setup. It's just so chilled out. Yes. Um, and I think really work should be a place you want to come to. So rather than waking up in the morning and thinking, where am I going today? Uh, we've really made an, offi- an effort with the office mm-hmm. um, in that respect. So it took us a few years. We were our first few years sitting on brown boxes and um, really making do with what we had around us. But then the business has been so successful uh, in the first few years that we've managed to take that opportunity to really put an office together that is then dedicated to the team. Mm. And speaking of medical devices, I think we need a definition of that. What mm-hmm. is a medical device? Well, a medical device is, is really different from a medicine. Um, I think in terms of healthcare, we get very used to the concept of medicines, curing diseases, um, and taking care of medical conditions from the inside, yes. uh, predominantly, not always, um, but predominantly from the inside. So the definition of a medical device therefore becomes the opposite. Mm-hmm. And whereas we would say a medicine would probably work by a pharmacological, an immunological or a metabolic pathway, mm-hmm. by by inversion, a medical device becomes the opposite of that. So if you look at the, the medical device regulations, it will effectively say this product is not a medicine. Okay, so that's very clear. And what it's saying is that this product will not work principally by pharmacological, immunological or metabolic means. They tend to be assistive. So rather than getting in there and curing diseases, they're helping body processes 
Um, so it's, it's, it's still a very valuable product in terms of healthcare treatment, but they tend to be assistive. Um, the endpoints there that you're looking for in terms of, of clinical outcomes would be the softer endpoints. Mm. Um, so rather than curing a medical condition, you're looking for a remission of symptoms, um, the quality of life of a patient getting better, um, and really being able to contribute in terms of having a social life, going home, being at home, contributing to the economy if they want to. It's, it's helpful in that respect. I mean, I think um, a good example of a medical device is um, a stoma. You know, if you, mm-hmm. if you had a colostomy, yes. colostomy bag, I think, just explain that to us. Yes, I, I mean, literally medical devices stretch everything from a syringe to um, a pacemaker, mm. cardiac pacemaker, everything in between. Um, and also some of the capital equipment as well would come under medical devices. Mm. Um, so, yes, if you're looking at something as personal as stoma care, um, this is uh, a condition that is experienced by patients who might have suffered from bowel cancer mm. um, or Crohn's disease or another um, another almost self-sensitive gut condition. Um, and what's happened is that section of the gut has become non-functional or the disease has taken over to the point that it needs to be removed mm. physically, as we'd say in the bowel cancer patients. And then, of course, if you imagine you've got a tubing of fixed length from your mouth to your bottom. To your, to your, yeah, to your rectum. And, and now your tubing becomes shorter, so it can't always reach to where it originally reached to. So what we have to do is a quick diversion, and we bring out your, your bottom effectively now becomes sighted on the front of your tummy. Yeah. Um, and that can either be a, a colon diversion, an ileum diversion, or you will get um, a, a bladder diversion as well, where they'll use a section of the gut to divert the, the bladder to the front of the tummy. And then you have a bag that then takes all, all the contents. Like So mm-hmm. instead of defecating in, in, the, you know, in, in, in the normal way, mm-hmm. you then defecate into the bag, and that bag must be you know, proper bag, proper material, it must seal properly, yes. it must be inconspicuous, you know? Yes, absolutely. And I think it's very easy, um, particularly when you're looking at the major health issues in South Africa in terms of our HIV challenges, our TB challenges, our non-communicable diseases challenges, to reduce things like stoma care and wound care down to bags and and pieces of felt. And it's so much more than that. Um, what you're looking at, particularly in stoma care, is a person's ability to go back home and care for their family, um, go out to the shops relatively peaceful in mind that their bag is not going to spill in the middle of the supermarket, mm. um, that they can go to work and they can take part in work activities without feeling as if they're going to let them be let down by the, the product that actually they're, they're wearing. So what you find this comes down to is confidence. Mm. Um, and for this reason, it often takes time for an ostomate. This is the name we give to the, the stoma patients. Okay. It often takes some time for an ostomate to gain confidence and security in terms of which product is their preferred product. Yeah. Um, so they need to have choices. And then once they do, actually, and it works and it gives them the, the comfort and the security they need, it's practically impossible to change them. Yeah. Um, because this becomes now your lifeline in terms of can I go out? Um, mm. Can I go dancing? Mm. Um, you know, can I have sex with my partner? Can I go swimming? Um, all these things is, mm. is going to now be dependent on not having that product let you down. So it has to stay in place. It has to fit comfortably. And the contents can't end up all over your feet. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I think this is 
for me, Amanda, whenever I think, okay, what's the worst thing that could happen to me mm-hmm. in terms of health? I think losing one of the functions that I take for granted mm-hmm. is the thing that I dread the most. I've thought about this again and again. I mean, I remember when we were rotating through um, the the orthopedics ward for mm-hmm. the for the um, paraplegics, mm-hmm. just watching the the change. Now you can't walk, you can't do anything. Things mm-hmm. must be done for you. Mm-hmm. Oh, that would be very scary for me. And I think that's where your products mm-hmm. come in. In ensuring that people are getting quality products Because there's so yes. many products out there mm-hmm. But they're not really regulated I think the, I attended one of your events Where we spoke about the regulation of products That are coming onto the market And yeah. it's not there So yeah. you know, what's the issue around what, what's, what's happening in that arena? It, it's a very mixed bag So if you look around the world You've got some very good regulatory systems mm-hmm. um, You know, over, over in Europe um, South America You've got different countries Where there are very good regulatory systems In South Africa, we have, um, you you know, in terms of the concept and the way it works, we have an amazing medicines regulatory system. The challenge we have is the number of people that are processing the uh, registration applications, and that's what contributes to the time delays. But in terms of, of what goes into regulating the medicines here in South Africa, it should be an awesome system in terms of if we could get it working um, properly. The basics are all there. What we don't have is a medical devices regulatory system at the moment. Um, we're hoping that it's going to be coming along. It's been through reviews, several reviews. Uh, this year, all being well, something, um, hopefully latest next year. But we've really been waiting for this because what what uh, you've therefore got the choice to do is use an existing regulatory system from another country, so, for example, our products will all have been through the European CE marking or the 510K, which is the U.S. Um, equivalent that goes through the Food and Drug Administration. But to your point, um, in the same way that we get copies of medicines, um, and some of them are good copies and some of them are very poor yeah. copies, and even even copies that bear no, no uh, real drug resemblance to mm. the original, so these are fakes. Mm. Effectively, we see occasionally the same thing happening in medical devices as well. So a lot of, of opportunists out there in the marketplace in terms of seeing something that they think they can physically copy. Mm. But when you really come down to it, the medical devices, as much as they may look simple, some of them can be quite common complicated mm. and they're taking care of, of very important things um, so I think the quality standards are extremely important and this is sometimes where we're missing we're missing the bus in terms of, of picking this up it looks like a great deal we'll import in millions of them and then we'll see how we go from there and of course six months a year down the line you've wasted a lot of money mm. On a poor quality product, and you're, you're now dealing with the consequences. Mm. Um, and and I think in terms of uh, our ability to assess these things, in terms of particularly tenders that take place in in South Africa, um, it needs some improvement. Yeah. Uh, it can't just be is this product brown, sticky? Does it hold a stoma bag in place? You know that that ostomate is going to depend on that product for many months possibly years and and typically the rest of their life yeah which means every time you remove that sticky plate you don't want to be taking a layer of skin 
oh, with yeah. it because you've only got so many layers you can get through before you you get down to and that's why quality is so important absolutely and and the, you know there's a fine line between holding something in place and not actually then taking the skin off again when you're you're removing it yeah. so i think these are products that sometimes it looks easy to copy them mm. um and some companies out there do and then they don't follow a regulatory system and then we're left to pay the consequences afterwards and our skin is so important i mean i've just got mm. a message on wechat um by the way you can wechat us um the um, id is cliff central and to send a message on wechat you must tap connect and then msg to show message to show um you can also catch us on facebook cliff central and on twitter at cliffcentral.com or you can call in on 0861 at nine. i'm dr cindy and i'm chatting to amanda jane wild from um umsinzi health so some big booty blender oh mm-hmm. big booty bender okay <laughs> says Often, Dr. Cindy, interesting topic. I have a question. What's the difference between women and men's skincare products? And does it have an impact? <laughs> does it have an impact on a man to use a woman's product and vice versa? Amanda, <laughs> I'll let you answer first and I'll give my answer. <laughs> it, it's very interesting because we all wear a uniform. I mean, Cindy can see this because she's in the studio with me, um, but you won't be able to see it, obviously. You're all on the radio. And we've got quite a distinctive uniform. Uh, it looks like a nurse's uniform, but it has a very bright Love Skin logo on it. And I have to say, it catches attention anywhere, anywhere you go. And a lot of the questions come out like this. Oh, and, and particularly because we've got written on the back, stop skin abuse now, love skin. Mm. And so often you'll be sitting in a cafeteria or restaurant and you'll be approached just as we've just had the same question here. How do I not abuse my skin? How yeah. do I keep it in one piece? Um, I think at the end of the day, skin is an inside out job. So it's about looking after yourself on the inside first and foremost, and then really not um, causing damage to the skin on the outside. So in as much as the products are put together to take care of skin, yeah. yes, you tend to find that men's skin is a little bit tougher. Um, and it's a little bit hardier. And a lot of that is to do with, um, you know, they're a lot more hairy than we are. Yeah. And that skin tone is a little bit tougher as well. But the principles are identical. That's exactly what I was going to say, Amanda, Mm -hmm. because I think what's happened now is that um, companies are cashing in on the fact that yes. men are now looking after their skins. Yes. So in all honesty, it doesn't matter which products you use, as long no. as you're doing the basics, you know, wash, mm-hmm. you know, cleanse, tone, moisturize, doesn't matter which products you use, mm-hmm. the principles are the same. But I think they've cashed in on the whole, our oh, men must smell fresh and they must smell this and yes. they must smell that. So no, big booty bender, it doesn't make any difference what you use. <laughs> but if you want to smell manly or masculine, then of course go for the Nivea and whatever else, mm-hmm. that they, you know, whatever else is out there. And speaking of skin, um, the rhino. Tell us about the baby rhino. Oh, we've we've actually, if you think about it, the, the skin covers the planet. Yeah. Um. So whether you're human, whether you are pretty much the majority of creatures on the planet, there's going to be some skin involved. Um. And what we decided to do, it started last year. Yeah. I'd often thought about this while I was still in the UK. Actually, that we should start seeing what happens in terms of of animals with skin problems and wounds. Um, so we've looked after a couple of interesting cases, and the baby rhino is the most recent. Um, we got a phone call just before Christmas, actually, originally from the ER 
24 team okay. um, asking could we help out and everything went quiet then just before Christmas I think everyone went on holiday came back again and we got another repeat call in around about January time um, this is a small baby rhino she's only she's only small in that respect though she's 170 kilos so density wise she's not small at all <laughs> uh, mum was poached in the Kruger and I think in all the melee and the running around what must have happened is the baby stood on something at mm-hmm. some point she's helivacked then from the Kruger to the sanctuary just outside Nelspruit in, in Mpumalanga and Petronelle who's the lovely lady there who looks after the rescue sanctuary just noticed the baby rhino wasn't herself very listless um, a lot of ticks which you wouldn't expect to see because they'd be mud bathing okay um, and that would keep the ticks away feeling around we find something like a tennis ball on the bottom of the foot oh. Uh, which explains a lot of things. So this, this what could have been a thorn or something that she stood on is now an really gone into an abscess. And and Petronelle said she she knew she had to do it, but probably the worst thing she's ever done was cut that abscess open, and the oh. stuff that came out was disgusting, um, and the smell absolutely terrible. So what you're looking at now is is yes, you've got a wound on the foot, but the bigger problem is the size of the baby. Mm. Um, and what we would normally do this this really calls into mind our diabetic patients, mm. um, because often our patients with diabetes will get foot problems. Yeah, and what will happen. And that's very common. It very, is. very common. Definitely. You need a lot of good nail care. You need a lot of good skin care on your feet if you if you have diabetes. And then what will happen is occasionally the diabetic patients will stand on um, something and not feel it. Yeah. And a few weeks later it'll be discovered or a few months later it'll be discovered. So for me this is a, a very similar challenge that we would face with our um, our diabetic patients. And and yet the problem is 170 kilos. <laughs> and you can't exactly tell the baby rhino to lie down and no. you know, lie on its back. It's this, no. this thing lives on its feet, right? Absolutely. And she's frustrated. Like any baby, she can't really understand what's and going on. there's no on. mommy. No mommy. And and I think this was what struck Petronelle at first, very down in the dumps. Yeah. And But only so much that could be explained by the loss of a mum. So the rest of it had to be a problem. And this okay. was the problem that was, was discovered. So it all, of course, has to be cut away and cleaned. Then technically it's very straightforward. She's young, she'll heal quickly, there shouldn't be any problems. And lo and behold, there's a massive problem, which is her weight. Mm. Um, how do you an offload, offload a baby rhino's foot? And this is the same challenge we would face when we're dealing with a diabetic mm. foot ulcer. How do you offload that wound? Mm. Because unless you take the pressure away, no it's, good. No healing's going to happen. It's not going to happen. You might get a little bit of progress, then it'll go backwards again. And so we've been through everything um, from a perfectly beautiful baby rhino individually made boot uh, <laughs> to plaster casting to we've tried everything in the world. She got so fed up a few weeks ago, she kicked her plaster cast off and Petronelle had to make a quick job out of whatever she could find and actually used an old bucket. And we found it's the best thing of all. Oh, so, you put, you've, so you've put her foot in a bucket? Put her foot in a bucket and literally cut the front edge section out so the toe has got more room to move. Loads of extra padding, extra padding that you couldn't get into a cast or a boot. 
basically you can get into a bucket and the best best progress so we've decided all these modern things like perfectly beautiful handmade boots and plaster casts <laughs> are now on one side and we're dealing with the oldest bucket in the in the sanctuary well that's amazing Amanda <laughs> I mean yeah, no, I, I don't think people realize just how how important the skin is I mean your skin mm. regulates your temperature your skin protects you from from mm. all the external you know like the the sun and the rain mm. and so on and we take it for granted we really take our skin mm. for granted definitely i mean it's your largest organ yeah. um of the human body and particularly when you're looking at a hospital from top to bottom and you think about all the different departments you would find in a hospital from the baby unit to elderly care to um oncology to diabetes um the one thing every patient has is skin mm. And really, your, your main intention out of all of this is not to let it break down. Mm. So ideally, we are working every day to actually stop people having to need our products mm. effectively when it comes to wound care. You only need to treat them if the skin is broken down. So the, the key to all of this is prevention first. Um, and really, you can do a lot of work in hospitals. You can literally start top to bottom. First of all, just raising awareness in terms of how important skin is. Mm. You come with a heart attack the last thing you need is a is a whacking bed sore in the bottom of your your back mm -hmm. basically um every time you break your skin it's an opportunity and it's a portal for for bacteria to get inside so the the key to all of this is just whatever god gave us let's just keep it in one piece if we mm. possibly can. And then when it does break down, when there are genuine problems, then also there are products that are there to help you as well. Yeah. And I think, um, I mean, when I worked at Barra, I saw the worst bed sores, mm -hmm. you know. And these are patients that would have, would have been brought in from home mm -hmm. with bed sores already, and now mm -hmm. the family is just not coping. No. And um, just, uh, the, the it is hard. It is really, really hard. The mm -hmm. stench. The, I mean, the one, the one patient, you could see right through to the bone. Mm -hmm. And I, I kept asking myself, how did they get to the stage? Mm. It's, it's a lot of it is, um, a pressure sore or a bed sore can deteriorate very quickly. Yeah. Um, and it's generally our, our larger patients where we can sometimes see the fastest Well, that's the reason I'm losing weight, Amanda, because when my mom was admitted, I mean, people, people have no idea how mm -hmm. being overweight is such an impediment. There's so much that goes you know when things go wrong if you're mm -hmm. overweight they, they go really wrong yes you know and i saw this when my mom was admitted in icu that those nurses struggled mm -hmm. just to bath her mm -hmm. turn her over they would mm -hmm. have to call everyone to come to her bed yes and i think watching all of that made me realize that you know what if anything ever happens to me and i'm i carry on being overweight as i am mm -hmm. we're going to have problems mm -hmm. And it, it does. Your immobility is, if you think about it, when you're sitting in your chair, you are naturally feeling the pressure on your bottom. And you move, and you, you move, move as necessary. Yes. You're stranded in bed and in a relatively short period of time, you can get breakdown on your heels, your bonier areas on your, on your back. And if you think about it, what's happening is it's not just the pressure from the surface that you're lying on, your bones on the inside are pushing from the inside as well. So effectively your skin tissue get trapped yeah. between um so yes it's it's a problem and and uh but again you can you can get elderly patients who are not at all overweight they've mm. got opposite problem mm. um they're undernourished they are very fragile their skin is thinner because they're older and again their bones now are pressing from the inside on the outside 
But it really is about raising awareness, I think, from we, we like to do something when we've seen the skin break down and break open, but the key is to stop it from getting there in the first place. Yeah. And there are signs to a, to a bed sore, to a pressure sore. Way before the skin breaks. Definitely. And you can, once you've actually trained the team to look for those signs and symptoms, it's made worse by other things. It's made worse by um, sliding up and down in the bed yeah. um, rather than actually moving neatly in the bed if you're actually being and again to move somebody can be quite difficult incontinence can make a huge difference so Mm. if you're lying in wet bed sheets um, or you're lying in soiled bedding that really we all know what a baby's bottom will look like yeah it's like an rash on another level absolutely and then combine that with pressure and the ability of of particularly an incontinent patient to develop not just a moisture sore but also a pressure sore on top of that is is really you can turn around and come back and and there it is yeah. waiting for you so the the key to this and the whole campaign we've been running for over a year now yeah. is to really stop this from happening mm. if we possibly can so it involved literally a, a three step process First of all, raising awareness in terms of what it is that can damage skin in a Mm. hospital environment. So you're looking at things like incontinence, pressure, um, bacteria in terms of an infection, getting an infection, um, friction shearing, um, anything, and even harsh handling. You know, our, our healthcare professionals are often stretched to the limit. Um, and it's not impossible that we we don't contribute to these problems because we're in a rush and we're frustrated and we perhaps handle somebody a little bit more harshly than we should do. Yeah. Um, so we need to take care. And really the Love Skin campaign was really designed to, to get people to think about the importance of skin, um, the need to take care with it, appreciate it, love it um, for all its individual characteristics. Oh, because once it's yes. gone, oh nightmare very very difficult and and we're not babies anymore babies have got the ability while they're still in their mums to regenerate to some degree it's a repair job once you're out of your mum you're now on repair work <laughs> oh, oh my goodness i mean i'm turning 39 on friday it's repair work all the way yes. <laughs> yeah, but we'll be back after the song break and we'll be chatting about burns and also the cell phone giveaway Okay, so we're back. Um, I'm Dr. Cindy, and I'm in in studio with Amanda Jane Wild, who's the CEO of Umsinzi Health, and we're having such a great chat. I mean, (laughs) you know, it's so amazing that your company... You help out with burns, you help out with medical devices, you've Mm -hmm. helped this baby rhino. I mean, the the range of work that you do is absolutely amazing. Mm. And I think it adds interest to the job as well. Yeah. Um, at the at the end of the day, it's a long day. Mm. You know, you you to be working and actually, that the whole remit of our business model is that you should find a sense of satisfaction in what it is that you do. You should feel it's worthwhile and it should contribute to a successful business. So we we adopted a business model that had been running in the UK that was pretty much a social experiment a hundred years ago, mm-hmm. and we decided to run it in South Africa and see if we could achieve the same results they achieved in the UK but it centers on the happiness of the employees and it's not that giddy happiness that if you wake up in the morning and you think I got everything I got uh, I wanted I'm deliriously ecstatic because mm. that tends to be quite short-lived to, to get an inner sense of happiness you need sustainability 
And so you need to have derived a sense of satisfaction from what you do every day. Mm. And spending eight hours doing something you don't want to do that you can't find a sense of satisfaction in is a really long life. Yeah. Um, and you want to get to the end of the day, the end of the week and feel like you achieved something. So I think for us, the, the fact that we focus on those things gives us the ability to look sideways and tackle other things. Mm. Um, and if you think about it, probably the bulk of our job is definitely with human beings. Yeah, so we're, we're dealing with people. Yeah, every day it, it, but at the end of the day you know you need to add a bit of variety so the animal cases that we've looked after the theory is exactly the same skin is skin i mean i when i came to your offices amanda i was so touched by what you were i'm sure it's finished now but you were setting mm-hmm. up a, a touch and feel scene like, mm-hmm. a, like a, a place where people whether you're wheelchair bound there's a wheelchair ramp everything is friendly mm-hmm. if you need a stoma bag or something you can come and and touch it and feel it and see what yes. they have on, on offer that was just an amazing concept yes and we did we got it finished towards the back end of, of last year it's a customer experience center yes customer experience center uh, yes. and whether you are a member of the public or whether you're a healthcare professional we're in old Modafontaine in the old historic village um, and we are open so you you can come in and you can visit us anytime you want you can give us a ring beforehand or you can just pop in at the door and and there's always somebody around um so the the prime aim of that customer experience center was to get to experience the products mm. and you may only have restricted choices um, when you go to a hospital or when you go to a pharmacy but you can actually come and see everything that we do yeah, I find that so amazing. Yes. That whole and, and again, how do they work? You can often forget if you're sitting with your nurse or your doctor in the hospital and they explain to you how to use your product. Mm. And then you walk out of the clinic or you walk out of the hospital and you get home. And in the cold light of day, you're now on your own. You don't have that help and support around you. And you've totally forgotten how to use your product. Mm. Um, so we're there for that purpose. If you want to see what there is that's actually available, you can come and and take a look at that as well. We don't take over your care, though. We actually think the doctors and the nurses that are responsible for you should stay responsible for you. Mm-hmm. So we'll give you great advice about products, but we're, we're not your doctor or your nurse. Um, I think at the end of the day, that, that job has to be... Uh, there needs to be a clear line, particularly in terms of companies and how involved they get uh, in terms of taking over responsibility for patient care. But I think what you do provide is just the explanation. I mean, you, you give the, the you know, because sometimes we don't have enough time as medical doctors or health professionals yes. to give proper explanations to, to clients. So okay. you go home with something that, you, as you say, you don't know how to use. No. And and I think, look, this, this works on both sides. You've got um, the product information in terms of the patients. You've got the product information in terms of the healthcare professionals as well. We're always there to train you. We're not there to take your job over. Mm. Um, and I think we've got a skills gap enough in South Africa as it currently stands. Um, it's very frustrating when, you, when you've got a product and you know how to use it and you see that somebody is struggling on the other side in terms of how to use it. Your natural instinct is, oh, let me do it. Yeah. And you don't serve any purpose by doing that. No. Um, you effectively take the healthcare professional on the other side and you de-skill them. Mm. So, so for me, we're quite adamant at Umsinzi. The product specialists are not allowed to treat or touch patients. Okay. Um, what they are allowed to do is help train 
train the healthcare professionals. And if it means you come back next week and you do the same thing again, then so be it. Then so be it. And it could be your job in that hospital for the rest of your career. Oh, no, I like that. Go back and keep repeating. But yeah, so before the giveaway, I mean, okay, after the giveaway, mm-hmm. we'll be talking about burns. We've got winter coming up. Ah, yes. And I know that um, you helped me so much last year, Amanda. So there was a young child that um, got burnt by boiling water. Mm-hmm. And typical story, toddler pulls a kettle down from, you know, from, from mm-hmm. a, a surface and burns half of their body. And mm-hmm. this little child was in Hararium and was admitted into hospital. And I remember that my, our helper, you know, sent me, a, came to show me the photo and I sent the photo to Amanda. And Amanda was able to arrange for that child in Harare to get the special burns dressing mm-hmm. that's, you know, shortened the hospital stay. And the outcomes have been phenomenal. That little child now lives in, in Johannesburg. And I, I, you know, I, I should arrange a day when you can meet this little child. Please. But the parents are eternally grateful mm-hmm. because the burns dressing that you were able to arrange for in Harare, mm-hmm. you know, that child was out in the hospital on a Saturday and out, I think, after four days, mm-hmm. and then you know, came in for for dressing changes once in a while. But we'll speak mm-hmm. about that before, you know, after after the giveaway. Mm-hmm. So basically, Cliff Central um, is turning one. They've been doing this for a year, so they've done, they've done really, really well, and they're giving away half a million rand worth of smartphones. So um, I'm going to ask you a question, and you have to answer the question on WeChat. Okay, so you have to go to WeChat. If you haven't downloaded WeChat, please do so. So you download WeChat, you tap on Connect, and then you tap on Competition in the menu that comes up, and you could win yourself a Samsung Galaxy S4 or a Samsung Galaxy Note. So the question for this, you know, for 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 this phone is. Who hosts the show between 3 and 6 p.m.? So who hosts the show on Cliff Central between 3 and 6 p.m.? Go to WeChat, click on Connect, and then click on Competition, and send through your answer, and you could be the lucky winner of a Samsung Galaxy S4 or a Samsung Galaxy Note. So great. I hope, I hope someone wins. I love smartphones, Amanda. At the moment, my smartphone is in, um, cell phone ICU. So I've been struggling. I mean, I'm not gonna, <laughs> I'm not gonna slander, but I'm using a Nokia Asher and no. I can't, I can't, I'm not coping. <laughs> but in any case, my phone should be back next week. So talk about burns. We've got winter coming up, Amanda. Mm-hmm. So, um, first of all, what do parents need to look out for? Because a lot of it involves kids. Whether it's a paraffin mm. stove or it's the kettle from mm. from the kitchen counter, it's always got to do with children or a little child falling into a bath of, of boiling water. Yes. Tips around that for parents. Let's start there. Excellent. And I think, look, although we've got a burn season coming up at the moment, which would be May to July. Yeah, for because of winter. Yes, it's really important to point out this happens all year round. So we have a pretty high level of burns prevalence all year round. We but just spiking have in a the spike winter. Spike in the oh. winter months, and so this is this is happening um, all year through. We'll get a lot of burns uh, incidents, but there really is this mountainous peak we have to get over in the winter months. And then that would be because things have been knocked over. Um, so it's going to be a flame burn rather than a scald burn, if that makes difference. So let, let's separate them out a little bit. Okay. In terms of the, the entire year through, this ability for small ones to pull things off the stove and off the side and grab the flexes and grab the pan handles is a year-long problem. Okay. Um, they don't spike in the winter. The, the children are going to do it all year 
um, and you'll only turn your back for half a second and before you know it the the lead has been pulled from the kettle or the panhandle has been pulled um, we've also had little ones being knocked into baths of scalding water by their siblings so literally there's a game going on and, and everyone's running around and before you know it the little one got knocked backwards into the bathtub um, that was sitting there on the floor. So this is just something to keep an eye on all the time when you've got hot water, hot liquids, um, something as simple as, as we've actually come across a fondness for little ones, or the, they're not so little actually, the, the older ones, they're putting an egg in the microwave. Oh, yeah. And then trying to cook it and then, of course, taking the egg out, tapping the shell. And then the egg explodes. And the egg is going to explode because it's almost like a little pressure cooker. Yeah. So as a parent, you're really looking for all those things you're going to be looking for on a regular basis. And it's tough because some of us are at work all day. Um, The kids are not always got someone to keep a close eye on them. But Mm. it's about keeping the, the kettle lead out of the way. It's about keeping the pan handles in. Um, on the when stove, you're, when you're cooking on the stove top, rather yeah. than hanging on the outside, um, it's about that bath of water being um, monitored mm. in terms of what it is, and and maybe not having a bath full of scalding water sitting for too long before you add the cooler water mm. um, and get it added to. So yes, we've got these scald burns, the liquid burns, the the density of the liquid will often make a difference to the depth um, of the burn. So mm. the thicker the liquid the more it's going to hold the heat and the longer it's going to sit on your skin. Um, but generally speaking, a scald burn, as long as you can catch it very quickly um, and it hasn't sat on the skin for too long, remember it's going to sit in your clothing. Um, so if the clothing gets hot and wet, that hot wetness is going to be sitting next to your, your mm. skin. They should be relatively straightforward to, to deal with and manage. The biggest problem we've got is is either things being left for too long before they're treated appropriately um, or really not knowing what to do with it. So I think as a parent, it's really worth gemming up on and reading up on the basics of first aid for your child in all respects. And I know you had a Twitter series about this. So yes. I think one one thing that we have to do, obviously, on the show for me, is, which is really important, is burn care. Like just yes. then, immediately after the burn has happened, the yep. do's and the don'ts. Yes, and and the key with with burns is ultimately try and get them to um, a treatment place as quickly as you possibly can. Um, and really get it che- checked out, particularly with the children. Yeah. Um, and if you are looking at, at hot things sitting on the skin surface, that hot thing should be removed. Um, anything that is restrictive um, around the area should be taken away. So what your role is as a parent or a first aid giver is making life easier for the doctors and nurses that then get to treat the patient when okay, they so arrive the, at So hospital. the sooner you get this thing under hot, cold, hot running water, <laughs> cold running water, yes. the better for us as, as healthcare providers. Yeah, absolutely. So you're taking away the source of the problem first and then you're going to reduce the amount of damage that's caused by your first aid. So it's cool the area. And it used to be the the fashion that we would run for the freezer and grab a a bag of peas or something like that um, from the freezer. But actually, extreme cold causes as much damage as the heat was going to cause in the first place. Okay, so frozen products? Nothing frozen. No ice, no frozen peas, no anything. It's cool water. Okay. Um, You don't even need excessively cold water. And it's cool water. 
but not to the point of shivering. You don't want a shivering response. You want to cool the area. You want to minimize the damage. Then it's cover, protect with something that is natural in terms of a natural material or cling wrap, and then get the patient to to oh, healthcare. So cling wrap. Cling wrap actually works. It does. And it's awesome stuff because it keeps everything out and it keeps the the area protected on the inside. It's easy to apply and it's easy to take and off. And if you don't have cling wrap, what else could you use? Um, you can use a, a clean natural material. So like, you can like use a cotton sheet, cotton sheet a pillowcase, okay. um, just as clean as you can possibly get it. Um, you don't need anything that's synthetic because you tend to find synthetic things melt pretty pretty easily um so try and stick with natural materials and fabrics obviously a fire burn is is more significant Mm. um you can get some devastating school burns but your real damage is caused by fire burns and what you will get is a a candle or a lamp that's knocked over um and particularly in our informal areas Mm. and informal settlements you'll start in one one home and then before you know it you've gone down the whole line of mm. homes that are all next to each other um, that then is a, is a case of if your clothing is on fire it really is, there are some simple guidelines which is effectively stop and drop so you're going to get out of the fire area, you're going to stop a running person will burn faster than a stationary so person so just stop, get onto stop, the ground drop. don't drop on the fire, actually drop with the flame going upwards because that will minimize the damage. And then you're going to put out the flame with something, again, that's as natural as possible because synthetic fibers are going to melt. Um, And then once you've done it, cooling becomes essential again. Anything that's restrictive, anything that's in the way of the burn, anything that's stuck you would leave there, you'd leave for a doctor to take care of. Mm. And then really it's get the patient to hospital as soon as possible. So Brad, so Brad's saying here that burn shield is much better than water. What are your mm-hmm. thoughts on burn shields? Look, burn shield is an awesome first aid product, but you have to cool the area. Mm. Um, for 10 to 15 minutes. So you're not going to replace water with burn shield. Mm. Burn shield will then be your first aid dressing. Yeah, it's not a matter of just whacking it on. No, No. the cooling always comes first. Absolutely. And yes, the burn shield will give you a cool feeling when you put it on, but that period of 10 to 15 minutes Mm. of cool water is really going to imagine what happens is your burn keeps progressing. So you need to stop that burn. Yeah. Um, the number one thing is not have it in the first place. Mm. The second thing is if it happens, stop it in its tracks and you stop it by cooling that area. But again, if you get a shivering response, that's the time to stop. Uh, you don't want it too going cold. any further than that. I mean, let's talk about, Amanda, let's speak about mm-hmm. um, the things that you should not put on burns. I mean, I remember yes. you... Uh, People put butter <laughs> and they put butter ghee. Mm-hmm. Let's, yeah, let's, let's, let's just highlight what should never, ever yes. go on a burn. I, I think the key is if you're planning on getting that patient to a clinic and a hospital, I wouldn't put anything on it. Um, if you want to go with the burn shield as a first aid product, that's cool. It's going to stay on for the first few hours, but more than likely a dressing will go on afterwards. So the key is don't put things on because the hospital's only going to have to take them off. Mm. And the thicker this, this, we see some wonderful concoctions that even involve toothpaste. And egg, egg, egg yolk. Yes. And, and a lot of these things hold and retain heat. So actually what you're doing is propagating, you're, you're, you're getting the burn to actually continue rather than stop. So the, the key to this is yes, it's lovely to have your first aid products, um, in the first aid cabinet. And I definitely recommend Burn Shield as one of them. Um, but just remember that the healthcare professionals on the other side need to do their job. So the more 
more things you put on it, they have to get it back off again because they need to remove all that dead skin, blistered areas, assess the size of the burn, assess the depth of the burn. Um, if it really is small and if it really is minor, then the burn shield as the first aid dressing um, can stay in place and, and it works very nicely indeed. But if you're thinking of going to a hospital or a clinic, I really wouldn't put anything else on. And just speaking of burns, I think if we can just talk about the different gradings mm-hmm. of burns. Uh, well, your skin has got layers. Yeah. So effectively, your wallpaper on the outside is your epidermis. Mm. Um, your dermis comes a little bit lower down. Then you would get to your fatty subcutaneous padding. Mm. And then you'd hit your bone, tendons, muscles. Um, so really, what you're doing is you're differentiating your types of wound by the layers of skin that you cross through. Mm. So if you're going to graze the surface in terms of just the epidermis and this would be a blister for example but when you take the blister roof off there's no bleeding there's no problems you've just damaged the epidermis and there's possibly a bit of superficial damage to the dermis we would call this a, a partial thickness burn okay so the old classifications would have been first degree second degree third degree what we're saying now is it's the difference between a partial thickness and a full thickness burn okay and the clue is in the name the full thickness goes through everything Um, the partial thickness will either go through the epidermis and then just a little bit into the dermis or it will go deep dermal so you can get a deep partial thickness burn a superficial partial thickness burn and then you would go full thickness and if you think about the principles of what we said those babies have lost their ability to regenerate what the wound now has to do is two different things Mm. if it's a shallow wound you're just doing a wallpaper job effectively on the top a little bit of polyfiller but then with some wallpaper (laughs) over the top if you've gone full thickness you need a filler Mm. to actually fill that and this is where such a great analogy i mean i wish someone had taught me that at at, at medical school that (laughs) makes so much sense it is you're either all you're doing with wound care is you're either using polyfiller or wallpaper Mm. Um, and of course with the deep burns what you often find is that the area is grafted Mm. so we're going to take an area of skin from somewhere else on the body or we have from yeah somewhere else where we can take skin yeah but what we want to try and do is really minimize the amount of area that needs grafting and again this comes back to your cooling Mm. That the more care you take in those early stages, the better the outcomes. Absolutely, your scarring outcomes get better. Your your ability to um, minimise the use of skin grafting, Mm. your scarring, your contractions, everything that tender loving care you take on the early stages is going to help you to minimise the the complications. And uh, and that's where this miraculous burn stressing comes in. I mean, the mm. one that, you know, you were able to source for that child in Harare. Mm. Tell us a bit more about that product. It, it's actually very simple. Um, it was originally designed just as an absorbent dressing for wet wounds. Yeah. And uh, everybody thought it was wonderful in that respect. And then a couple of surgeons actually started feeding back uh, to Convitec, which is the company that makes it, that this wonderful dressing, Aquacel, its name is, um, was giving them better cosmetic results, shorter healing time, um, and really had this this ability in a partial thickness wound in particular yeah. to to it almost mimics cadaver skin. So mm. what you would want ideally in this country for um, burns treatment is a skin bank. 
Mm. We actually don't have one. So, so, so people must donate their penises, their, <laughs> their livers, their hearts, and their skin. And their skin. Okay. We'd love to have their skin, please. But people are quite reluctant to actually. It's amazing which organs people will donate easily and which ones they yeah. like to hold on penises to. Penises are not on the list. They're not on the list. And eyes and skin suffer as well. Yeah. Um, and the, I think it's this sense of personal connection you've got to your skin in particular and, of course, your eyes too. So what this this product does is it mimics cadaver skin. Mm. And you would use cadaver skin as a temporary cover. It fuses after three to four days to the partial thickness wound. The wound then heals underneath and then the cadaver skin would drop off. Mm. And this dressing mimics it exactly. So three to four days you get a fusion of the dressing to the wound surface. It's actually a a molecule that's called fibrin Mm -hmm. that comes out of the wound during the healing process. It acts as the glue so the dressing isn't stuck to your wound. The fibrin has actually glued everything together. And then the wound will epithelialize underneath and the dressing, like you saw, it literally drops off a few days later. No dressing changes. It really reduces the number of crying children um, and costs as well. So you put it on once and after a few days... Absolutely. It starts sorting itself out. Full thickness burns, you're going to need that skin graft still. It's a different management protocol. But what you can do is heal the shallow areas around the outside. Mm-hmm. Um, and the lovely thing is the dressing tells you the difference between a full thickness and a partial thickness. So it only crusts and seals on those partial thickness burns. It stays gelled on the full thickness areas. And then the doctor knows exactly which area to and focus on. And this is the on. kind of dressing that I would want. I mean, if I was Minister of Health, this is the kind of dressing that I'd want in every single clinic. Mm-hmm. Because then there's no need to be transferring babies um, or, or children or adults, for that matter, to, to, to other centers. I mean, you can sort out what you can sort out in your area and then only refer the things that really need to be referred. Absolutely. And we've got doctors at the moment as well. Um, uh, there's a burn society in South Africa. Dr. Yeah. Nikia Lotto from KZN is the president of the Burns Association. She's really focused on raising the priority for a skin bank. And she's looking at in-hospital care. Okay. Um, Dr. Janeshri Govansami is in KZN as well. She's looking at outreach in the rural communities. That's fantastic. Teaching the hospitals how to manage without having to make it worse and then end up with a crisis at the the central hospitals. So there's there's, uh, work being done in both areas. Nikki's looking really at the the hospitals and the need for the skin bank. Janeshri's looking at the the community outreach projects and really trying to raise the skills levels in the community hospitals um, to really manage that burn right when it first gets there. Thank you so much, Amanda. I think spending time with you is just amazing. So, yeah, we can catch you on Twitter, Amanda Jane Wild. Yes. Um, and also your website is www.umsinsihealth.com. But yeah, fantastic guest, and I hope to have you back on the show soon. Thank you so much, Cindy. Cliffcentral.com.